All right, we are live. Welcome everyone to another edition of our weekly Wednesday Lunch and Learn. Uh, every Wednesday, I have the fortunate opportunity to get to interview some of the top agents across the world. And this time I'm delighted to have Paul join us. Now, before we begin, uh, if you or anyone you know is possibly considering to get out of the rental space or you're looking to do a trade up, love to be introduced and help them along with the journey. As many of you have seen through my last uh, latest market updates, you can see interest rates are at record lows. So if you know of anybody even on the fence, love to get introduced and help them along with that journey. However, without further ado, let's get started. Paul, welcome. Thank you so much for attending. I'm really excited to hear about your, your journey from how you got started in real estate to growing this really big team and actually you know, growing, having a lot of agents even join you at eXp. But let's take it just you know all the way to the beginning. So, what did you do? Tell tell us a little bit about yourself and what did you actually do before real estate and when did you get into real estate? I uh, got into real estate in 1997, fresh out of college. I just want to thank you, Spencer, for having me on from reach now from across the country. I'm sure we'll meet in person one day. Um, but you know, uh, looking forward to helping you as well. So yeah, started in 1997 um, when uh, you know online leads and everything else was completely different. Uh, everything was, you know, obviously face-to-face -face business. I uh, was so young, you know, really nervous about getting on the listing end of the, you know, end of the business. I was 22, fresh out of college. Um, really didn't start clicking, you know, for the first five years. Once you make it to you about your, your fifth year, you start to get some repeat clients and understand this. You're, you kind of take it more as a career than a job. So it's, um, it's been good. You know, I was at, you know, Remax for, you know, the last 15 years. I switched to EXP October 2018. Uh, been pleasantly surprised here and, you know, you know, obviously growing the business and, you know, uh, just really just, you know, buckling down and, you know, doing the stuff that works and, you know, uh, you know, keep, keep uh, doing deals. Nice. And so what, what back in the nineties, what, like going straight out of college for real estate isn't too common, right? A lot of people may choose a some sort of career and then eventually they, they get into real estate later on. What gave you the confidence or how did you make that pick? Like, because you're 22 and I'm sure everybody at that time would ask, what does a fresh college grad know about real estate? Um, yeah, they don't. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> they don't. <laughs> right. I, I never, I had bought a house yet before. Uh -huh. um, had no experience in real estate. I actually called off a newspaper ad to a company called Kai's Company, which was a just a Florida-based real estate company that has probably three or four thousand agents. Um, lucky enough, I got um, introduced to one of the. He was number two agent in the company. I became his buyer's agent for about five years. Uh, had a mentor, which is great, and um, took it from there. But. At the beginning, you know, obviously you're struggling to pay bills. I think I was valeting cars at the time just to uh, get by, you know, 22 years old. You don't have much of a network except for anybody who's renting, you know, your, your possibilities of purchasing, you know, wasn't, wasn't that great. I did have family down here, which I did tap into their network, which was important. Um, got lucky with one big sale, you know, my first year, which is about half the income for that year um, and just kind of. You know, Florida is a very transient place. So there's there's a lot of transactions down here to have. You just got to be in front of enough people to make, you know, to make the numbers work. So it's, yeah. uh, it's 
it's a great, you know, one of the, probably California and Florida, probably the two best places in the country, I would think, where, you know, transient enough deals to uh, to make a living. Nice. And can, just a quick recap. I don't think we covered it. Uh, which area specifically do you cover? And was it always those areas or did you move from one place to another? Great question. So Palm Beach County, Florida, which you're now seeing on the news, which is one of the epicenters for the coronavirus. So it's basically Boca Raton to about Jupiter, which is about a 40 square mile, which is which is where I went to college, valet park, delivered pizza. So I do I do know this area very well. Uh, and that actually was easy transition because I did know enough of the neighborhood geographically to uh, talk intelligently about prices and uh, you know what's going on in the neighborhoods. I think the interesting part is as you delivered pizza, you're actually driving and understanding the neighborhoods yeah. by, by and getting paid to do so. So it's actually probably not a bad idea for if if you're coming straight out of school, like and, and now it's not just delivery, it's not just pizza delivery. Now you have Uber drivers, uh, Uber Eats, all this other stuff. So that's actually a, a very interesting way of someone maybe even now getting going to start understanding neighborhoods and, and other areas. Yeah, value. We got to see, you know, 90% of the communities that nobody else could get into. Right. Um, you saw who lives there, you know, and it was it was a good experience. Yeah. Nice. And so tell me about kind of the evolution. So it's been, uh, what, about a little over 20 years now since you got started. Like, when did it? You mentioned it took a few years to get going. When did you know what at what point did it seem like it could become a career? Number one. And number two, when did you start saying, okay, well, it's so it's getting so busy, I needed to bring on another person to start helping me? Sure. So um, well, my first 15 years in the business, I was really exclusively a buyer's agent where I was probably doing 90% buyer deals, 10% listings, just you know, through word of mouth. Um, it was about 2014 where I shifted to a listing agent where I started actually spending money marketing, uh, branding and, you know, evolving more as a career where I'm control your own destiny. You're getting the listing, negotiating the deal, and you really don't have a chance to lose the deal because you're on the, on the listing side, uh, when exclusively only to, um, you know, not taking any buyers except for family out about two years ago. It's a, it's a scary shift to make, wow. but I was basically 20 years in the business. So I was you know confident enough that I could say I got enough going on the listing side that I can uh, start a team, hand out the buyer's leads for a referral fee of 25% and just really, really double down on the, you know, growing the brand, the listing side and, and concentrate on growing the business. Oh, wow. That's incredible. And, and what is your team makeup now? Like describe the team makeup. Um, so we run it, we run it like a team, but I actually don't take any portion of their commission except if I hand them a referral. So we just like EXP, we run it like a family, like a you know, nice uh, unit, but we you know, we actually don't no money changes hands unless when it's a real referral. I've built up a pretty good name in the Palm Beach County area. So all the agents that work with me that I'm partners with uh, do leverage the name if they like. They don't have to, they can self-brand as well. And um, if it helps them, they use it. If it doesn't, they don't. And, um, you know, we've, we've built a um, – the core group is probably about 20 or 30 agents that are active that we're uh, doing business. Amazing. And tell us a little bit about the local market, like what's been going on. Uh, I know Florida was one of the first places to open up. 
And I know you mentioned that being the epicenter uh, is certainly interesting in itself, but has that done much of an impact for real estate or is it, is, is life pretty good? So from a realtor perspective. So yeah, from March 15th to about June 1st, we were pretty much shut down where, you know, nobody wanted us to actually go into their house. And I think there was a mandate where, um, we, we couldn't have open houses. We couldn't um, be face-to-face -face with the public. And as of June 1st, when they pretty much opened, I think they called it phase two, The uh, we've been, you know, busy as we've been the last three or four years. Uh, obviously, everybody's wearing face coverings. Uh, I'm in my home office now. That's why we don't have one on. But, you know, whenever with the public, obviously, we're, we're taking, you know, uh, precautions. And the, you know, like we were talking you know, before anybody that we're dealing with right now is, is very serious about buying or selling. Um, you know, I know there's been some changes in finance. I don't know if it's across the U S with the anything over 510,000. Um, you know, there, there we, we haven't had access to jumbo loans. Your price range in California might be more affected by that, but, um, so yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of movement, um, in all price ranges. I just don't know if the luxury market is going to be affected by this, uh, you know, kind of tightening on these jumbo loans. Mm -hmm. And so from a price perspective and from, um, how long these properties sit on the market, has it gotten worse since the shelter has it gotten better? Like what's the, the landscape on that from that front? So it's um condos are still a little bit slower you know people are actually thinking about moving out of condos into more single family homes just to spread out a little bit but the the average you know days on market for a single family house if it's priced right is is a few days which i would say before the pandemic was probably we had an average of 30 to 60 days on the market wow. uh, pool homes now you know florida has been 100 105 degrees lately so uh, a single family house with a pool that you can pick up around 500,000 probably sells the first day it's on the market. Wow. And do you see much of a migration from uh, like New York? Like, do you see a lot of those clients? Because I've heard a lot of them may have at least relocated temporarily for Florida. Do you see that personally yourself? Yes, we see that. And we're seeing them purchase uh, sight unseen. Wow. So they're, you know, they might tie up the property, come down during the inspection period, finalize the deal. But yes, we're, most of our calls are from, from out of state. Uh, the sellers that I'm dealing with, cause I'm dealing with exclusively seller are moving back to wherever their, their family is. So if it was, uh, you know, the families in New York, sellers actually going back to New York to be with their family, but the, the buyer might be actually coming down here from New York. Yes. Oh, interesting. What yeah. what do you find it are the reasons that the sellers are selling in this landscape? Is it purely to get back closer to their family? Is it to capitalize on such you know high buyer demand? Like what what kind of reasons are you typically seeing? Yeah, a little bit of, of the buyer demand, but you know, you also if you're thinking about selling right now, you got to know where you're going as well. So yeah, a lot of my clients are uh, seniors. Uh, they want to be closer to the family, just, you know, logistically, the, there ha I have some, had some higher end clients or think about selling just because there's a shortage of inventory, but most of them is to be closer to family. Got it. And what is the mood like these days? Cause I know, uh, like even in California, we started shutting down indoor dining again, and I'm sure Florida has, has started shutting down different you know, aspects of business. Like what is the general mood, um, for, for 
you know, your friends and, and the people local in Florida right now? Yeah, uh, fear of the unknown. I think the, um, you know, even if restaurants were open, it's not the same. You're going there and having a, a nice dinner with a waiter with the mask on and you're nervous if anybody touched the menu before you. So uh, the big change, I think, are doing OK. We, you know, the mom and pop, you know, restaurants that, that don't have, you know, probably the sanitation quality, it's they're, they're definitely suffering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Got it. And so how do you how do you look at your business moving forward? I know you have, you know, a team of about 30 people that you actively work with. Like how do you how do you feel like you're continuing to scale the business? And if you don't mind, if you can share uh how many listings have you done maybe last year and what was the production of last year so people have a sense of like how much you're doing. Sure. So yeah, I take um I, I take about 30 listings a month. So it's about 360 listings a year we probably sell 50 to 60 percent so it's about 200 deals per year uh all on the listing side and the average sale price is around 200 so it's um you know 30 to 40 million dollars in production um 100 on the listing side so. amazing yeah and so how do you feel like you're you're going to continue to evolve the business do you feel this year what was this year another really good year for you? Is it a little worse given COVID? Like how do you feel this year is going to shape out or for, for you personally? Same. We lost two and a half months, but nobody expected Florida to uh, in the summertime, which is usually our slow month. Nobody expected us to be as busy as we were busier than we were in season. Our season is basically January 1st through April. So okay. now uh, is usually a slower time and we're busier than we were all season. So it's kind of flip flop for us. So I think it'll end up being about the same as last year. The The market is better this year. Um, right. We did lose, you know, two, two and a half months of time. So. Uh-huh. And so how, do, how have you evolved your business? I mean, are you doing anything new that you weren't doing before, given maybe protocols are different? Like, how, how have you changed your business, if, if any? Yeah, we um, stepped up our digital marketing. Uh, we are doing more. We're spending more money on online leads. Uh, Zillow has probably been the number one um, resource for us for the buyer's agents. We do get a lot of organic business from people calling off the, you know, 60 to 100 active listings that I have where, you know, the agents are running with the buyer's leads. But the, the online demand has been so high. It's actually given us like 50% off for their advertising budget. So uh, we've been stepping up the online advertising as well. Got it. Related to marketing, interesting enough, mo a lot of realtors use their personal face when it comes to uh, graphic design. So I noticed that you have, a, in a sense, a caricature. Uh, yeah. well, how did you think of that? Like, what was the yeah? What was the backstory of that? So it's funny. Each time we go on a listing appointment, they said, "Oh, I expect your head to be bigger." Or, you know, <laughs> they're still calling, so they do remember it. But I think about fifteen years ago. Um, I came across a website. The artist's name was Jess Perna, and I actually sent him a photo of mine. He made a character, which they now kind of call avatars, which kind of is based on it. So who, who knows? You know, I guess I had the vision there a little bit, but um, it's just a, it's just a funny little branding thing that, that kind of catches on. And um, I don't know. It, it just seemed to stick. You know, I, I've tried to update it over the year, make the hair a little gray. <laughs> You know, obviously the body's still skinny on there, but, um, you know, and I've had, you know, hundreds of agents say, Hey, where'd you get that done? Now right. in today's day and age, we, we actually send the agents to Fiverr 
And for the thing that I probably paid $200 for 15 years ago, they're getting for $15 and it looks more realistic. Than what I do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, every, everything evolves. And we actually have a whole seller's listing presentation where everybody has their avatar done by the same artist. And it just, it just, it just clicks, you know, it really is right in line with our company too. So it's kind of proud to have it out there. Uh-huh. Very, I mean, it's definitely certainly unique, and, and that's that's one of the aspects, right? Is to stand out, and then you're right, even Facebook themselves, they started having their you know their avatar, which yeah. are you know really you know, I mean, it is. I was actually surprised because the avatar is based off of all your own photos, um, and so that's how they created it. Why it looks many times very similar to the person, so they did that automatically in volume, right? To the billions of users that they had, everybody can create their own avatar. So yes, you're definitely yeah, same with Apple. I mean, with the you know emoji and emoji right. yourself. It's uh that's that's the way we're going. We know you're the tech agent, so you're on top. <laughs> there you go. Cool. And so yeah, um, tell me a little bit of the backstory of what you, you were at Remax for a long time, right? And so why why make that move when you made that move? Were you already familiar with EXP during that time, or did you start kind of hearing about it? Like what I mean. Obviously, staying at a company for X amount of years is always difficult to leave just because you're, you're used to the way things were. Like what what caused that change? So, yeah, it was kind of the perfect storm. The our, our Remax, I was there 15 years. The office I was working out of actually was closing down and they were still going to charge us um, office fees. I had questioned the last couple of years the value of the brand name. Because right. I, you know, I spent a lot of, you know, time, effort and money, you know, branding myself. And when I was really looking at the advertising, I really wasn't taking advantage of the Remax name. So to me, for, you know, for a, you know, um, mega agent, it, it's really dollars and cents. Uh, Remax does not have a capping system. Mm. So when I even I used to say to them every year, we tried to renegotiate. I said, how much would you like to make off me this year? You know, <laughs> yeah. I'll either cut it at the beginning of the year or you know, we, we can come up with a number we can agree on. Right. And they said, I'm sorry, Paul, it doesn't work that way. You know, this is the way it's been since 1974 and we can't just do it for you. I said, well, unfortunately, the system is broken. You're penalizing me the more business I do. So that really, you know, they, they didn't shove me out the door, but they said, we can't make a special exception for you. Um, my heart really wasn't into it after I, you know, I figured I couldn't come to, you know, deal. I was happy there, but you're, you know, if you don't know something else exists, then, then you, you, you don't know what you don't know. So, um, somebody introduced me to EXP and, um, as soon as I watched the video or learned more about it. And before I even knew, I said, let's open up an office in Delray beach, EXP office, not knowing that we don't even need an office, but that's how excited I was about actually joining and, and getting the ball off the ground. The, um, it's really just pure numbers. In 2018, I actually paid Remax $60,000 in, um, in you know, fees, $10,000 in desk fees, $50,000 in commission. So if nothing else, you know, $16,000, it was just, you know, $44,000 in simple math. And, you know, I interviewed with one other company, which was Keller Williams, which, um, you know, very similar, but, you know, I think we have, you know, a better platform to work on, lower cap, um, you know, no franchise fee. So, you know, uh, when I interviewed with Keller Williams, they said um, 97% of my clients would stay with me because of me. 
not because of the brand I was with. And, and that day after the Keller Williams interview, I, I did sign up with uh, EXP. Amazing. And EXP has certainly changed and evolved, you know, over the last couple of years, um, not just from a pure, I think a lot of people are, are realizing, especially like this, you know, what COVID has done is it accelerated people potentially making that move, right? Because back to like, why have a desk fee um, when there's no office you can even go to a uh, period, right? So I mean, that's kind of one aspect just from a pure cost perspective. So people may start questioning that. And then others may be questioning like what kind of ongoing support is there, right? I mean, especially if things are evolving, things are gotten a lot more digital. And it's, it's incredible actually um, from the brokerage level perspective where there are a lot of like really big agents like yourself, mega agents and, and huge teams that are really tech savvy and really digital savvy um, making the move. And so it's, it's, it was really interesting. It's really, really interesting to see and, and track because it's, you know, a lot of areas because on one end, I think EXP has like 40,000 agents now. So on one end it's a lot, but on the other end, you know, it's not a lot, you know, compared to like a Kayla Williams, which has hundreds of thousands of agents. So it, it's, it's always uh, interesting to see. And, and it's been uh, certainly nice to see the, the, the major acceleration uh, over the years. Cause now it just keeps doubling every year. Um, so it's, 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 it's pretty cool. It was really cool to see. Yeah, we have more, you know, I think the difference is the more business minded agents that doesn't make sense to open up. EXP basically took the, the reason to run your own brokerage off the table. You know, right. when, if you're an icon agent at EXP, you're working in hundred percent, you know, pretty much all year with, uh, you know, the three years uh, vesting stock period. So why would you want the liability or risk of, of, you know, owning your own brokerage when you have a you humongous legal team, support staff, it, it really, it just it, it doesn't make sense anymore to own your own brokerage. Right. Yeah. And so let's talk about a little bit about, in your case, the agent attraction side of it. Like, are you, do you find that as an avenue that you're continuing to put much effort or is it because at the same time, like your, your success as a, you know, what I really like about your story is you're not just a, you're not a recruiter per se, right? You're not, that's not all you do. And you're almost, you're not like a coach, right? Some people make money off of coaching and things like that, but yeah. you, you clearly are still a high producer with a tremendous amount of volume. Um, like how do you, how do you look at that side of your business per se? So yeah, the agent attraction side has become really organically, you know, kind of, uh, the way my business has developed the, a lot of agents, um, the more branding you do, they're kind of watching what you're doing anyway. Uh, with the Remax platform, I couldn't build a team. I couldn't get enough people to pay the desk fee in order to stay long enough. What kept happening, agents would stay with me for one year, two years, and then end up leaving because the platform wasn't uh, cohesive for them to build their own team. So as soon as I switched to EXP, it kind of stuck where if I'm giving them my heart and soul for a year, they do see the value in the platform and they stay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, that's, that's really the reward here versus, um, you know, getting, a, you know, top produce, you know, getting an agent from beginning to, you know, doing five to $10 million a year. And then they say, well, there's a better mousetrap out there and they leave. you. So I, I feel like, you know, the decision I made to come here, any agent that we're able to groom from the beginning, whether they entered the mentorship program or they're doing 3 million and we get them to six to 8 million, you know, I don't know that there's a better brokerage out there. Right. And I'll, I'll wrap up with my final question, which is 
what's always fascinating with outside of the Bay Area, right? So the Bay Area, as you probably know, the price ranges are much higher, right? So our average many times is over a million dollars on average. So it's, but it's always very fascinating to hear about how you manage the sheer volume of transactions that you do, right? Doing 30 a month. I can't even think of logistically how you would do this. So like just mentally, I don't, I don't even want to think about it. Um, how, how are you managing it? You know, that kind of volume, which is literally a listing a day on average, and yeah. there's just so many moving parts. So like what, what tools have you used to help you just really keep sanity, uh, on, on your, on your production? Like what, what do you use? So I have, um, I have a transaction coordinator who's actually a licensed broker who knows everything, who negotiates the deals. Um, you know, I go on the listing appointment. I do all the back end marketing. I do pretty much everything. Once, once the deal is signed and goes into contract, he takes over from there, but he's already established a relationship with the sellers enough that they feel comfortable that he's not just being thrown into the mix, you know, after we're under contract and they say, well, who's this stranger? So really just, uh, just a systematic approach. We do use another paperless system that is um, kind of unique to Florida, which is called App Files, which isn't available throughout the country, which is basically like, you know, our version of SkySlow for Florida agents where, um, you know, so, so we do have, uh, you know, the technology on the back end where our e-sign is there. Uh, everything's really just systematic. We have a, we use the same photography company each time. Um, we have a professional writer that writes descriptions based on our photos, you know, whether I do 50 deals or 300 deals, it, it's the exact same process that happens each time we spend the same amount of money, whether it's a $50,000 condo or a million dollar house, everything is so systematic that we really don't lose the personal touch, but you know, everything is done, you know, uh, pretty uniform. Wow. So, so you don't, you, you feel like with the systems that you have in place, um, you don't necessarily need to hire more people per se, even if you double the listing or do you, or do you, would you need to hire people? Is there a, a human constraint, uh, as you get to different levels? I think the transaction coordinator, I think if it was more than like, you know, I, I think we'd probably max out of 20 deals a month, which would be like 240. Then you would start, you know, you would start dropping the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really, you know, I've, you know, accomplished a lot in my career. And, and one of the more exciting things about EXP uh, if we can help somebody else be more successful, we actually get out just as much as that, you know, personal satisfaction than, than trying to be the number one agent. And, you know, I've been there, done that. And, you know, again, uh, you know, it's it just as rewarding, if not more rewarding to help somebody, you know, get their family started first year, they make, you know, six figures and, and, uh, you know, that, that's really what it's all about. And, that, and that's really why your you know, real estate business grows too. If you stop doing it for the money and you're really, really genuinely trying to help people, you will see your business will organically grow leaps and bounds. Yeah. And it's that, it sounds kind of corny to say it, but it's true. It, it actually, when you stop thinking about this person's worth $6,000, that person's worth $20,000, and you actually get to know them, on a personal level, uh, you know, just value the, the relationships and, and the money will come. It will. Yeah. It's hard to see That's that. Awesome. But it will. It will come. Yeah. yeah it's that uh, I guess the saying is commission breath, right? It may it may scare them away. 
Um, and, and you're right. I, I found that myself. Like I, I never thought about it from a money perspective. I thought about it always as you do a good enough job. Uh, you help people be really happy with the choices. Um, and good things are just naturally happen as a result. Uh, right. Um, you get busier than you thought you would be. You get potentially referrals. People think of you differently. So it's, uh, I mean, it's always been my mentality, but I think a lot of people should take note of that. If that, instead of asking why they don't make X dollar amount. Yeah. One of the key things that I think a lot of people in our, in our business, especially some of the new ones coming in, you know, they, they think it's a, it's a sales business. We have nothing to sell anybody. It's a customer service business. The only thing we're providing is product knowledge, market knowledge, you know, negotiation skills. But you know, at the end of the day, if you're representing a buyer or seller, they're probably not going to remember how long it took to, you know, find the house or sell the house, or they probably won't remember the sales price of what they paid or what they sold for, but they will remember if they had a great experience with Spencer. That's what they're going to remember. And that's what, you know, that's how you get your referrals, not based on the highest sale price or the quickest sale. It's how you took care of them and, uh, you know, walk them through the biggest transaction of their life. Yeah, absolutely. And I would also add to that, like there's always been discussions and, and conversations about potentially technology, um, you know, replacing the agent. And without a doubt, in my opinion, there is a, a subsection of agents that will be replaced because they don't add value and they don't provide a good experience. So sure, there's a, there's a I mean, given the number of agents out there, of course, that's a huge market that they can easily take. But to have it fully replace all agents and just be like a i don't know an ebay or something or an amazon um it, it's it's very hard to believe especially people that actually have gone through the journey especially with a good agent and that experience um they wouldn't imagine using or trusting just a pure tech quote-unquote tech platform so it's it's it's, it's awesome that you brought that up and it you know attests to the level of production you've been able to do but also the longevity that you've had yeah, no, it's uh, and and you know one of the other things I didn't get to say, but you know after being in the business twenty years, uh, when I did make the transition to EXP, you know, uh, sounds cliche, but it, the real estate has become fun again. You know, uh, after doing you know I don't know how many thousands of deals, but you know it's you know it, it has become fun again, where you're actually building your own business inside their platform, which is awesome. I think that's I, I would also probably comment like the whole branding and marketing, right? I mean, those are maybe are the areas that you're somewhat maybe limited to. I know a lot of brands, it's like, you know, whether it's Remax or Compass, it's just them. So you, your creativity is also, you know, somewhat lost because there's no point to be creative. You can't do anything. Uh, but then if you have with like EXP in this case, you can do a character and you can build your whole brand around that, right? Um, one day, maybe on the, on these kind of calls is only a character talking. It's just an avatar. You don't have to show your own personal face anymore. <laughs> I'll do like uh, an emoji and just <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for sharing your story and, you know, how you got to where you're at and, and uh, what's going on in the local market. You know, if people have questions about the local market or they may want to make a move or have an investment property out in your area, what's the best way of people to get a hold of you? Sure. They can, um, you can call. I do answer my phone, you know, for a busy agent, I answer my phone 99% of the time. 561-251-5296. Uh, 
Once again, 561-251-5296. Check me out on the web. It's just my first and last name, paulsapperstein.com. And I'm more than willing to help any agents that are getting started, any buyers, sellers need advice. And you're looking forward to our uh, relationship, uh, Rowan Spencer, for having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, everyone else, for tuning in. And I'll see you at the next one. Bye now. Thank you so much for making it to the very end of my podcast. If you are tired of renting in the Bay Area, are a homeowner looking to do a trade-up for a bigger home, or are a real estate investor, I would love to connect. Click on the Calendly link and let's set up a time to talk. It's never too early to talk about options and to work out a game plan. I also do have an email newsletter, so sign up on the link in the show notes, or you're welcome to watch all of my content on YouTube. See you at the next one.